are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. My message tonight is very positive. However, would you allow me to begin with that which sounds negative? And I will be positive in time. Churches in America are not growing. We're on a massive decline right now. I don't know how to operate the internet, but I had Brother Moyer this past Yesterday, again, last night, showed me uh, many churches. Churches where I've been years ago. The 10 largest churches in America. The 10 fastest growing churches in America. And what they were then. And what their website shows today, it's totally different. We are dropping this name Baptist. We're dropping songs. Uh, We're dropping hymns. Uh, they're filled with, it looks like dance bands all over the platform. I, you, you, can, you can go yourself and take a look. And I'm not saying we're the only ones, but I'm saying this is the way church used to be. Singing and preaching and shouting and tithing and invitations and giving, and it worked. And we are declining under this new fangled idea. It's not working. It never has worked, but it has invaded our churches. I say that because churches should be growing. For anything that has life is expected to grow. Things that are dead don't grow. And by the way, just a crowd doesn't mean you're growing. But even the crowds are dissipating. We're in real trouble. Our nation is not going to survive much longer politically, financially, socially, morally. We cannot continue to do what we're doing and not collapse. We cannot, as I said this morning, there's killing babies signed in the law in New York up to the day they die, up to the day they're born and just killing them and we're lauding it, it's a good thing. What in the world, we've debased ourselves so much that we believe slaughtering, killing babies is a good thing. I would wish every preacher in America would reopen the doors on Sunday night and say, we're not gonna tolerate this. We must preach the word. Need to bring a nation back to God. As I introduce my message tonight, you must believe that you are undoubtedly born in the greatest moment. I believe for me, I believe I was born in the greatest moment in America's history. Tom Brokaw wrote a book, The Greatest Generation. It was the generation of my parents and what heroes and workers they were, and I believe all that. But, but I, I grew up 
in just such an amazing time. World War II began on September 1st and ended six years later on September 2nd. It began in 1939, that was long before my time. But when it closed out on September the 2nd, 1946, those boys started coming home. Uh, the ladies were called Rosie the Riveters. They did not work in the factories and the shipyards in World War I, but they did in World War II. There was 19 million women that went to the factories and our car production in 1941 ceased. We did not make cars, someone said, and I know there's a few around that were stockpiled and used for military, but, but people said, oh, I like that 1943. That 43 Chevy was beautiful. There was no 1943 Chevy. They stopped building cars in America during World War II and they changed the factories from producing vehicles to making munitions and making tanks. And the ladies, Rosie the Riveter, went to the factories. The ladies were left alone. Sometimes a man would go off to war in 1939 and he wouldn't get back to 1945 if he made it because 61 million people died. And he left, his wife was expecting their first child or second, and he'd come back four and five and six years later and find a five-year-old. He'd had no idea was his child. He had no idea how to connect with that child. But because of the heroes that they were and because of the good ladies that they had in the home, that, that mother and dad, they got those kids' hearts. It's an amazing time. An amazing time. Well, now in 46, the end of 46, moving to 47, the factories had to be retooled. Those 19 million ladies said, we want to go back home. And by and large, Rosie the Riveter went back into the house. What a good thing for America. Daddy's coming home. They didn't come home as baffoons. They didn't come home as rebels. America was in the war together. Those ladies worked as Rosie and the Riveter, and sometimes they'd pull two shifts, and the neighbor lady would take both kids, both families, and mother would stay for two shifts and work, and then the next two days, the next lady would work and work two shifts, and she would babysit. They worked together. Those men, you watch any documentary of live footage, not what the news tells you now. Those men would come back on the streets. They'd come back to the docks, those ladies would be, and they were meeting heroes, men that stormed Normandy, men that were in the foxholes, men that were amazing men, men of courage, men of conviction, men that loved America. No, there was not boycotts on the street. There were not protests on the streets. Get us out of this war. America was in. Now, 1947. The factories are being retooled. I was born shortly thereafter. And those 1950 cars started rolling off the, the line. Young boys like myself, I knew the 50s. My first car was a 49 Chevy. I, I, I tell you, no 
Uh, you, you might have a different, no cars like the 50s and the early 60s. I could go to, if I ever would, I, don't, I guess it would have them a car show of the 50s and 60s. I could tell you everything about it. I drool like all boys would. The new cars would come out in September, sometimes October. And in America, we didn't have uh, uh, Nissan and, and all the other cars. We had Chevy, Ford, Chevy uh, General Motors, and we had Ford and we had Chrysler. All those cars were all in those years that had the, the big uh, search light up and the windows of the car, uh, car lots were all soaked in and you go see them. I remember the first one I ever saw, a 1956 Chevy with my dad over here in Centerville. Oh, I walked in. Those cars were incredible. They were all classics. The Chryslers, the Chevys, the Fords, they're beautiful. They had these beautiful lines and, and every year they were different. Now they get a mold, they keep it for about 10 years and then they just change the headlights or a grill and they keep it the same. But then in all oh, the 50, 54 Chevy. I had one of those, the two-tone butterscotch color. And a 54 Studebaker and a 54 Ford uh, truck and I had a 54 Chevy. It was really incredible. And then it changed to 55. Oh, the 55s were great. And the 56 and then the big fin 57. And then the beautiful poor man's Cadillac, the 58 Chevy Impala. And then the 59 because we were gonna to go to the space age. And it looked like when they put it up, I can remember having, a, uh, having a, a, a sign, a picture where they put it up this way on the tail up and it looked like it was blasting off into space. You know, something else was happening. As those boys came home in 47, and 48 architects started drawing and 49, and this area and all over America, they did something. They began to build houses in communities and in cities. And they were produced one right after another over here at Moonlight Shopping Center, behind Moonlight. In 1953, they began to stamp these houses out. 53, 54, 55. My aunt bought one of those. I'll never forget it. They're all the same over there. Just stamped them out. So many of them, the sidewalks in this area, you can always tell if it's a World War II, post-World War house. They just look the same. They, look, they, they, have, a, they have a look about them. It looks like cottages and homes and homey, they're beautiful. Brother Fanera, where you live, it's stamped on the sidewalk, 1958, 57. I think that, and you told me to, I think it was one of the first World War, post-World War II sections. Brother McCracken, your house built in 57, I think. And they were, you know what they were like, they're just, they were just over here uh, near, uh, near El Camino. You could just tell, oh, America was going. We had the, 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 uh, the auto industry was going. The housing industry was going. Men were getting back and, and, and politically, because of the war, we became very conservative. People would have the flag go by on Main Street. Man, they'd stand up. They'd salute the flag and some of those soldiers would begin to weep. 
They fought for that flag. They fought for that freedom. See, this crowd today has fought for nothing. That liberal little 26-year-old girl that New York voted in as a socialist, she's never had a job. What does she know about it now? She's proposing everybody makes the same amount of money. That's socialism. See, the couple of those liberals are proposing 75% tax on the rich. I want to tell you how you get rich. You work. W-O-R-K, you work. They're already paying more than the rest of the crowd. I look at America. I was, I was born into this time. I was born into the time when, when baseball was getting back and they were coming from the war and the baseball teams were starting to really get after to go again. I was born in the time when churches were on fire. I mean in the, the 30s and 40s and 50s, or 30s and 40s, it did great, but the 50s and 60s, they started to go. Buses started to go and churches began to thrive and sold and packed auditoriums and growth. What an exciting time. I'm so grateful God let me live in the 50s. But I want to tell you something tonight. Things are starting to collapse everywhere. Mr. Eisenhower was our president. And he stood up and said in 1955, we have Route 66 in this country but I'm going to propose to tie all the states together with an interstate. And we're going to build interstates to go from California to the East Coast all the way across. And they made 80. They made 40. And they made 60. They made 80. They made 90, the northern route. You can get all the way across the country. And he linked those states together so those states could now do business and that business went worldwide. Financially, we were popping and going. I got to be part of that. I got to be part of the era when they came back from war, there was no, no, no works, no, no jobs open on Sunday. Gas stations are closed and grocery stores are closed and you didn't go to Sears or Montgomery Wards on Sunday because they weren't open quite a time. Economically, we're growing. But how have we come from that moment to this moment? How is it that we should be growing spiritually, numerically? Now, the truth is we're collapsing. Oh, I know we have a great Bible college, and I know this church alone has 62 kids in Bible college preparing for the Lord's work, which is incredible. But why universally, all throughout the United States, Bible colleges are down? This one used to run 6,000. They're at 2,500. This one used to run 4,000, and they're down to about 500. This one used to run four to 6,000, and it's not even in business anymore. We really don't want the ministry. Why would you not want the ministry? Young people, why would you not want to serve God? 
I know God doesn't call everybody, but you ought to have, no, God deliberately told me no. He doesn't want me. What happened? What happened? And I'm not going to blame it on Washington, D.C. I refuse to blame it on Washington. Washington, D.C. is a reflection of our churches caving. They're not the problem. These NFL, NBA, all these heathen players that are rebelling about everything, they're not the problem. They are reflecting what the problem is within the New Testament local church. Nehemiah chapter, chapter two, chapter two says in verse 17, ye see the distress that we're in. How that Jerusalem lieth waste and the gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall that we be no more reproach. And I told them the hand of my God, which is good upon me. And King's words, which he had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. That was my generation, our fathers and our mothers. We want to get in this thing. So they strengthened the hands for this good, what's that word? Work. The key word in these 13 chapters of Nehemiah is work. 23 times you'll find that they worked. The average church cannot keep up with the people who say, I don't want to teach my class anymore. And I know what I'm talking about because my phone rings. Preacher, what am I doing wrong? Brother Treber, what am I doing wrong? What, what's happening to my church? We, uh, we've had so many, this year, choirs stop in America. Why, why don't you have a choir anymore? I said, why, why don't you have a choir? They said, they don't want to practice. They don't want to be there. They don't want to do it. So we've had choirs just drop off in 2017. No, no uh, 18 last year. No, no we don't want to sing in the choir. You know, our family's so important. Uh, you're gonna lose your family with an attitude like that. What an honor to serve God. We can't, we're gonna have to combine classes all across America. We, we just, we can't get Sunday school teachers. They don't want, and some will teach, but they'll never do anything about it. They'll never make a visit. They'll never weep over the airy one. They'll never spend time. They'll teach the class and do their religious thing. What in the world is wrong? These people had a mind to work. Look what it says in chapter four and verse number six. Chapter four, verse six. So built we the wall, and all the people, all the wall was joined together under the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. The church called me and said, we need a pastor. I might remember, I, I may not remember the number exactly, but I said about, I, I, how large is your church? I don't know if this was the exact number, but it was 46 people, I believe. I said, tell me some things about your church. They had 46 committees. They had 46 committees. When churches become nobles, you're reading the book of, uh, of Nehemiah, the one problem they had was not with the people, it was with the nobles because they said, we don't want to work. We don't want to work. We don't want to be part of this thing. We're so busy. We're so tired. We're worn out. And I'm 
know sometimes, I know sometimes, God bless you, health comes in there, sometimes age, and I know for all of us as we age, one day this voice will be silent. I know all that, but it's not silent yet. Still has strength, I can still move my arms and still move my legs, I can still bend my knees to pray. There's something I can do for God. I wanna always abound in the work, the work of the Lord. We're getting people out of work. I don't want to teach. I don't want to sing. I don't want to drive a bus. It doesn't work. It doesn't work my family. Oh, having your children, maybe, sir, go home with you, one or two or three on the bus, mother's making dinner, and you're getting a bus, and you're starting to show those kids what it is to work with boys and girls that may not have what they have. I was raised in a generation, and I remember it, my wife was too, when those men would come after work, they'd work in the factory, they'd work at the, at the, at the milk companies and their various places in town, and they'd come after work, and they'd go see the church, what can I do at God's house on Monday, and our Tuesday, and our Wednesday, or all three days, or Thursday, or Friday, or Saturday, how can I put my hand to the plow and fix the bus? How can I build on the house of God? How can I build a building? How can I uh, remodel a classroom? How can I do something for God? Room for pleasure, room for business, but for Christ the crucified. We want, we, here's what we do. I wanna come to church Get the dance band to entertain me. Let those people do a few things for us. Pastor, you teach us a little, a little quip of the day. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. Our churches were on the rise. God brought with me three of my books, published in 1969. You can see I read it. It's broken down in pages. The 10 fastest grow, 10 largest churches in America. I've been there. Canton Baptist Temple, 6,000 people. I got the numbers right here, what they were averaging and how many missionaries and how many Sunday school teachers, 6,000 people. And they had eight, over 800 Sunday school teachers. Canton Baptist Temple, Akron Baptist Temple Church, John Rawlings Church, Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, Highland Park Baptist Church, Chattanooga, uh, the, uh, Van Nuys, California, uh, the great First Baptist Church, the, the music director there, First Baptist Church, they had the Amen Choir, 200 voice choir, Oh, I remember those records being produced in the late 50s, early 60s. The Amen Choir, 200 voices. But that music director had 33 choirs in that church. Choirs. Church ran about 3,000, basically what we are. 33 choirs. The 10 largest churches. And then in 1972 came out the 10 fastest growing. I've been in all of these churches. I've been in this church, these churches here. Most of them are extinct today. There are great bus ministry churches. There are great soul winning churches. There were great preaching churches. They had crowds like this and beyond every Sunday night of their lives. They had choirs. 
The Van Nuys Church, there's nothing there. They sold it. A health club went in there. They tore the buildings down. Nothing is there. Nothing is there. 33 choirs, nothing is there. Well, they must have had a wrong philosophy. No, they stopped working. They didn't run the buses like they used to because it got time consuming. They didn't support the missionaries like they used to and give young people say, and young people say, here am I, Lord, send me. They stopped that. Don't say, you folks that are watching, don't take it from me. Go online and check it out. Check out Highland Park Baptist Church, Chattanooga, Tennessee. My dear sweet friend, Dr. Lee Robertson, home with the Lord, God bless him. Go check out what the church is doing. Nothing, it's no longer there. The building sit empty because they came in, they thought they can change and we don't wanna work. This is not the day to quit. This is the day to tool it up. We're losing our country and the answer to this country is the New Testament local church. I find in the book of Revelation chapter three, I believe I'm gonna go there real soon, not tonight, begin a series on it because that last church, that church that led us in, they no longer, longer want to work. God says, don't you know that you're poor and you're wretched and you're miserable and you're blind? But they said, oh no, we're rich. We have, we're, we're, we have all this thing. And God says, no, I don't approve your church. Great churches are working churches. And that's why sometimes it's hard to keep people in a working church because the only way out is that God led us somewhere else. I get tired of God being blamed. God, God's working this on my heart. Oh, uh, what, what financial benefit is it for you? This is so temporary. This life is so temporary. And we're trying to set everything in order. Friend, if there is a American economy 10 years from now, I'd be shocked. The thing is eroding before our very eyes. God forbid, God forbid. How they have not tried to take out physically our president to this day, I don't know how. But who knows? They hate him, they hate Pence. They hate righteousness, they hate anything deal with prayer and Bible and God, whoever this clown is that wants to, wants to uh, uh, run for office now this past week, he said, I'm running for office president. And he says, and by the way, this country needs more than prayer. He's a fool. That's what we need, whatever your name is, sir. You're a coward. This nation needs the prayers of God's people. And so here in the book of Nehemiah, and in Nehemiah, I want you to see in chapter six and verse number nine, for they made us afraid 
Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the, the, the Arabian, they made us afraid saying their hands shall be weakened from their work that it shall not be done. Now therefore, Lord, strengthen my hands. May I tell you how to keep something from dying? When we work, we put our hands into it. We put our hands to it. As you read in the book of Nehemiah, you keep seeing their hands were working. Chapter two, verse 18, they put their hands to the work. In chapter number, chapter number four, verse 17, they had a trowel in this hand and a weapon in this hand because they fought against themselves. We're not caving, we're not giving in, we're not quitting. I find in chapter number six, verse nine, they had a, their hands to the plow. I would say, when a staff, let me start that up, back it up. When a pastor gets lazy, when a pastor gets lazy, and when a staff gets lazy, and when the deacons get lazy, and the Sunday school teachers get lazy, and the choir gets lazy, and the people of God get lazy. I am telling you, one day this church is gonna be a ghost town if we don't keep working. Have to put our hands to the plow. Have to knock on doors. Have to run those wheels of mercy, those buses. Have to go to the bus garage and fix the buses. Have to clean and repair and fix. Our hands must be put to the plow. When a person works, they put their hands in it. I find in chapter three, when they work, they put their home into it. You know, in chapter three, and I won't take the time, I have it all underscored here. You keep finding the word house. Verse 10, you find the word house, their house. In verse 16, the house. In verse 20, their house. In verse 21, their house. In 21 again, their house. And 23, their house, and 23 again, their house, and 24, their house, and 25, their house. Do you know that in the book of Nehemiah, you know, honey, there's 45 times you find the word house in 13 chapters. As for me and my house, get your house back in this thing. Our house back in this thing. Once in a while, people tell me or tell my wife something about getting old and resting. And I know that day. I, know, I, know, I don't know about all that. But she says, you know what? We love what we're doing. And God's using us right now. And we're not going to walk away from it. My house is going to serve God. How about your house? Can you say your house is working at the house of God, in the things of God? When a church goes forward, when a nation, they're gonna get a wall around a city in 52 days where two million Jews are gonna be safe and inside, but it's because they put their hands to it. It's because they put their house to it. And let me close tonight. They put their heart into it. Troubles came. And they said, we, we got a heart in this thing. You'll find the word heart repeatedly in this text, in this book. What happened to those great churches? 
Oh, I can remember pulling on this one church in that book, hundred and I think 148 acres. It's landscaped like a park in that large city in America. It says it's one of the most beautiful campuses in all the world, all the nation. Huge buses everywhere. I dare say that the churches that are still in business, there's not just a couple that might even run a bus. We got boys and girls and men and women out here in the streets of our cities that are lost and need Christ. And one of the vehicles God's given us is to take buses that run Monday through Friday in the public schools and we buy them and we put them in the bus ministry of our church. It is time consuming, it is expensive, it is no money, we make no money on it, but we're winning boys and girls and men and women to Christ. Young man that we reached so many years ago and I love my church, a bus kid. His sister sits over here expecting her fourth child with her husband. They came as bus kids on, I love my church, and for I'm gonna guess about 20 years now, he's been a pastor in Illinois. A bus kid. No, no dad in the home. A bus kid. But he has the touch of God in his life. Oh, my friend, I tell you, our nation is collapsing. We have to work. We must work. I'm wondering tonight. I, I'm wondering. I, I'm hesitant. I said this to a few people this week. Because I feel like North Valley for 43 years has been in a state of revival all the time. Sometimes I wonder if we are in revival right now. I wonder if we're in the prelude of revival right now. You know when a church has revival, the people want to work? We are working on this, and we're going to have a final meeting tomorrow, but on January the 6th, the first Sunday night, I just ask you to fill out a card if you're interested in working. I told you this. I thought maybe you'd have five or six cards. The stack is about... Brother Luke, Brother Remers, it's about that high. I want to work in the nursery. I want to work in the choir. I want to work in maintenance. I want to work in housekeeping. I want to work on gardening. I want to work putting gospel tracks together. I want to do anything. Just put me in, plug me in. That is a church in revival. We're not closing the choir down. We're not closing the orchestra down. We're not closing the nursery down. We're not closing the Spanish down. We're not closing the Indian down. We're not closing the Filipino down. We're not closing the high school, the elementary. We're not closing the college. God's doing something. Why? The people had a mind to work. I thank God for being born in those, those days right after the war. And we had another skirmish, 1951, 52, and 53, with North Korea and the communists. And then as we, we dealt with that, won that battle, came back as heroes, just real short-lived. And as they came back, those men, 
Those men poured their hearts. I can remember my neighbors. They weren't all saved, of course. But those men worked jobs. They worked jobs, and they, they took care of their kids. Most of those men did say, son, I love you. It was a different era. But I can't think of one man on my streets where I grew up that did not work. And those mothers worked. And you know, they took us post-war babies. They gave us good homes. They gave us good homes. Mama was there. Daddy was there. We had good homes. We had an example of our dads that loved America and our dads that worked and our mothers that were godly good women. Oh, on Sunday. Now, I know our neighbors, the Milkies, they weren't Presbyterians and they weren't Meth they were Catholics. But oh, every Sunday, the Milkies would take their family and go off to church. And next door to us, the Moffats, they would go to our church with their five boys. And next to them, another man, and he would take he and his wife. They'd go to church, a Baptist church. And then across the street, the Sheltons, as they went to the, Presby the, the uh, Nazarene church. And every Sunday, she had her hair piled up as the old Nazarene women used to do. And they went to church. And her boy, who was a high schooler, a football player, and her other son, a football player, they all went to church. Our neighborhood, not every house, but so many went to church. And those parents poured into us. You know what my generation chose to do to those hardworking people? We wanted Woodstock. We wanted Haight-Ashbury in the 60s, the hippie movement. We wanted drugs and what they called free love. We wanted to become rebels and just grow our hair long and do what we wanted to do. Because my generation who had those beautiful cars and those beautiful little houses and jobs and patriotism, we were spoiled brats. We didn't work like our dads. We weren't heroic like our dads. We went out in the streets with Vietnam and said, well, I'm gonna protest this war. My name is Cassius Clay. I'm gonna change my name to Muhammad Ali. And this last week, they changed the international airport in Louisville to the Muhammad Lee Ali uh, uh, airport. By the way, look at the history draft dodger and anti-American. No, it gets quiet here, doesn't it? It's not hate speech, that's, that's history. So we protested, went to Canada, and then get elected to be president of the United States. You know your history? Because my generation was spoiled rotten. We want it our way, baby. The old man, the old lady, they don't know what they're doing. But we know what we want. We don't want your rules, mother. We don't want your rules, Daddy. Church, you have heard us. We don't want church. One we're free, baby, free. How's it working in America? 
Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.